Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Friends Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorman. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Terence Corrigan. Terence, how are you doing today? Well, I'm okay, and yourself, Nicholas? I am cold, uh, but otherwise, I'm good. And I'm also joined by Chris <laughs> Chris, how are you doing? Are you also cold? Hi, Nick. Hi, Terence. I am very cold, but I'm sure this uh, intellectually stimulating conversation will hit me up today. Well, that's a bit of a high standard wow. to uh, stick to, but anyway... <laughs> Let's, uh, no pressure, guys. No fine. pressure. Okay, so let's you know, start you can off. Perform under pressure, Terence. That's fine. Indeed. Uh, let's start off with a discussion of uh, the EFF. So over the weekend, we saw the EFF pulling together all of its resources to host a big, uh, I guess, birthday celebration in the FNB Stadium. When it managed to fill the stadium. Um, uh, and uh, with its supporters, and this was celebrating 10 years of the EFF. Right? The, uh, I think they call themselves, what, the July 28th movement or the July 27th movement. So it's, it's, it's a reference to the Cuban Revolution, which is Fidel Castro's original uh, movement name. But anyway, um, and as to be expected, there were many speeches given, much pomp and ceremony. There was glitter and glam and all that good stuff. But it, uh, some interesting things were said by um, Malema, uh, while he was talking, he said that uh, the EFF was um, written off by some doomsayers that it would never achieve 1% of the vote. Now, I don't really remember that being the case back when the party was formed, but I may be wrong there. Uh, but anyway, he said that now, where are they today, the doomsayers? Because the EFF is turning 10 years, we cannot hear their voices. Uh, he then went on to talk about some of the things the EFF would do if it came into government. He said, and when we take over, we are going to give you free education, fight corruption, and lock up corrupt ANC leaders. Me and you are going to destroy load shedding. Only the EFF can destroy load shedding. When we take over as the EFF, all of you who are unemployed and don't have your results because you owe fees, you must know that we are going to cancel all of your debt and give you your results free of charge. We want a child from a shack to go to the best university. We will work with Cuba to establish quality primary health care. Malema then went on to bash the ANC. who had had a, a Panyazal Sufi had had a, um, a similar event um, the day before where people were given um, uh, opportunities to work in the job recruitment program, which was a, a an ANC provincial, pro oh, sorry, a government provincial program. He uh, said in response to this, we want jobs and we don't want jobs that are bribery, which is given in a stadium. Uh, Panyaza Lasufi took people to Orlando Stadium a day before yesterday, thinking that he could contest us. Uh, uh, he then went on to say something insulting about Panyaza Lasufi. And lastly, he also promised to arrest Ramaphosa for stealing money from the country in Palapala. Uh, but he didn't really detail exactly what he meant there. But anyway, so a lot to kind of think about there. Terence, what do you make of this? Um, so I think it's kind of impressive they managed to fill the whole of the F&B Stadium, although it's clear that they went to great lengths to do so. Uh, they, uh, they publicly shamed public reps who weren't able to fill their quotas of people for the buses. Um, but uh, what do you make of what uh, Malema says uh, of the, the EFF's program and how the party's done over the last 10 years? Look, there's a... There's a great deal there. Um, as far as the uh, filling of the stadium goes, 
that's something that uh, that all political parties do. I think you know when one sees those TV optics of you know seas of blue or red, yellow, and gold or whatever, uh, understand that there's a whole machine that moves it. Uh, these aren't uh, people spontaneously turning up to uh, right. you know, to to. To, to register their love for this or this or that party. Uh, still, ninety thousand people. It's it's a big. It, it, it does say something about um, about the logistics that they've been able to pull in. Um, it's, that's, it's a significant percentage of their voters. If you think about how many mm-hmm. votes the EFF actually gets in the country, yeah. it's like you know. No, no, no. Certainly, and you know, look, I I, I think that they've um, they would obviously have, have had to pull a number of these in from from uh, out of time out of town so yeah you know give them uh, uh give them their due there um as far as the uh the speech he made went uh, this is essentially what's that american phrase throwing red meat at your supporters um you know uh, saying well you know you you know we, we we're going to do this do that we're going to uh we're going to give you all of these goodies we're going to stop this we're going to deal with that um and there's a part of me that can't blame them for say, you know, for for uh, for doing that. It's uh, camp- campaign hustings rhetoric is always is always very simple, um, and and uh, uh, not 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 particularly nuanced. But I think it does say something about the um, uh, uh, about the sort of niveau that they that they're playing on. You know, we all summer, you know. Uh, uh, Give you free education. We will work with Cuba to establish a um, uh, a, a primary health care system. Yeah, now that, that that's an interesting one. You know, uh, say what one wants about Cuba. Apparently, their their their, their primary health outcomes are fairly good. However, bear in mind that uh, they um, have a far lower birth rate, for instance, than 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 we do. I read somewhere that apparently about fifty percent of pregnancies in Cuba are aborted. So you know, a lot of little Cubans just don't make it that far, um, you know. And I imagine the Cuban state is also is also somewhat more efficient than um, uh, uh, than ours. And once again, this is not this is not a ringing endorsement of of the Cuban political system. But you know, I do remember in the nineteen eighties they deployed um, uh, they deployed their military forces to Angola, to the Horn of Africa, whatever. These were these were well equipped professional um, uh, uh, professional organizations. Um, South Africa, I just don't, I just don't think has that. So you know, by all means, make make whatever promises you want. I just don't really see it um, uh, 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 see it working. Um, at, at least, and certainly not with the not with the EFF's orientation. As far as their vote share goes, uh, yes, you know, I I I actually do remember the uh, I probably won't get one percent. Um, I think that. That tended, though, to hang more on the idea that that uh, the experience of new parties up to that point had been that they would make a bit of a splash. You know, think Louis Late, think um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bandu Holomisa, for instance, who was also in attendance uh, with the EFF. Um, but what the what the EFF was able to do was bring was bring a part of the ANC's infrastructure with them. The um, essentially the ANC Youth League. Um, I think the. The question there is okay. They've, you know, are they are they at a ceiling? And I think that uh, all the polling evidence shows that this is kind of where they are, at least in terms of that that they are now uh, uh, now at something of a ceiling, at least in as far as um, as as actual public sympathy with their position goes. They could still be 
a sort of more hurtful factor that 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 might come into play. Um, you know, anyone but the ANC sort of thing, and that anyone might be for some people the EFF. But um, you know, I think I think ten years, you know, not a not a poor achievement. I would, but I, you know, I would also say that, uh, and obviously, Malema is not going to not going to announce this from from, uh, from the hustings of his own um, of uh, of his own anniversary cere- um, uh, uh, ceremony. Um, it's been a party that has, I think, done a great deal to um, uh, to undermine South Africa's um, South Africa's democratic prospects. Um, it's ta- it's it's tapped into some very unpleasant impulses. Um, and as we saw on display, very uh, very populist ones. He, um, anyone see that movie Shadowlands with Anthony Hopkins? There's one point said he's like a species of medieval peddler selling uh, relics of the saints with dubious authenticity. He Jack supplies easy answers to difficult questions. So uh, just based on that significant percentage of their uh, voting base there. Um, EFF have got about 1.8 million votes in the last election. There were about 94,000 yes. people there. So unless I've got my sums very wrong, that's about 5% of all their voters from the last election were in that stadium, uh, which quite is, quite as a logistical as a logistical feat, that's quite quite impressive. Um, I think it also says something about how the EFF is as a party. It does seem to be, often it's, uh, people tend to be kind of more motivated and, and uh, enthusiastic. Um, and we, you see that when you poll EFF members, like they have, I think, the highest approval of of their leadership of any political party. Um, yes. NC and DA people are far more, a little bit not as enthusiastic about their leadership in general, regardless of who's in charge. Uh, Chris, what do you make of this? So I think it's interesting that in that kind of little spiel there, and I didn't watch the whole thing, so I don't know if he did mention it somewhere else. I'm sure he did um, mention land is not on the agenda now uh the eff seems to have kind of uh, turned down a little bit on that one not i think because they've changed their position but because i think they've recognized what rr polling has shown all along which is that uh, land issues are really not at the forefront of stuff and that when the eff is in election mode which it clearly is now uh, that it knows to focus on things like jobs things like healthcare, things like education the issues that people do actually care about Chris, what do you make of this? What I thought most noteworthy from the whole weekend was the speech that Malema delivered at the gala event um, before the sort of birthday celebrations at the FMB Stadium, where he very uh, he spent a lot of time not calling out Floyd Jivambu, but making clear that he won't allow challenges to his leadership. So here comes in the true test of the not just the idea of the EFF, but whether the law, the ten years now since it was established have been used to build a good party and a good movement in terms of structure, administration, organisation, funding, all that sort of stuff. How will the party navigate challenges to the current leader and leadership, as it were? How do they deal with those issues? If Malema decides it's better to go into coalition with the ANC. Do the supporters, um, the 94,000 at least who turned out, do they then feel a bit sold out? And then we see the idea of the EFF sort of fading away. So I think that's going to be interesting, especially now as we're likely going to have coalition government next year. So, yeah, credit. I think credit to the EFF for the optics 
and doing well to arrange the spectacle, doing well, but that doesn't translate necessarily to voters turning out on the day of the election next year. So sort of holding time on that just because you see impressive spectacle now once off in a gathering you know, of 94,000 people doesn't mean that means electoral support has grown. In the context of what, 74% youth unemployment, 45% um, unemployment on the expanded definition, where those sorts of ingredients are there for a party like the EFF to do much better in the elections. In that context, I think credit to the EFF for organizing like it did on the weekend, flashy, whatever. But in that wider context, 10 years of not growing that much in that economic malaise maybe indicates a disconnect between at least the rhetoric that the EFF promises versus what we see in our polling and our interactions with South Africans, the average South African where it doesn't resonate with what people feel are the biggest challenges at the moment, like you mentioned, um, unemployment, healthcare, basic service delivery, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I think the EFF probably struggles a little bit as a credibility issue when they say something vague like we are going to defeat lurching because I think everyone in the country's heard that before and uh, it's difficult to trust anyone, um, much less those who are not very specific about what exactly needs to change. Um, Terence? Look, I think I, I think that, that um, the EFF does find itself in, in something of a beaver trap of its own making, that um, it has used that sort of dissatisfaction with the ANC and the idea that um, uh, uh, it can be, let's say, the most forceful driver of the revolution um, uh, forward um, as its as its main kind of political draw point. Uh, that's something that it pretty much will surrender the moment it gets into um, it. It gets into an administration, at least I suppose one uh, uh, one one hopes it will. But there has actually been some some academic writing about this that um, you know it's kind of it's it's almost sort of in a trap of its own making. Uh, now it won't be the won't be the first one to get into to, to get into something like this. The um, uh, the ANC, I think, has, has managed to get itself in two. One is the idea that uh, you know it it is the government, but also the ongoing revolution. The other is it's the father of the constitution, and therefore the one most. Uh, uh, but but therefore, as the most uh, uh, the dominant party, also the one against whom the constitution's restrictions are most frequently going to be applied. And it's never, I think, worked out a uh, worked out an appropriate appropriate response. One other thing, though, I do think that 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 the EFF has done has done quite well is it centered some of its celebrations around Marikana. Now, think of that as post nineteen ninety four Sharpeville, um, and that's you know a kind of leitmotif that it's 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 come back to again and again. Once, but once again, that's it's kind of symbolism that only that, that that only really works if you are in opposition to the state, not when you are the state itself or in charge of the state. And Americana has remained the area around that uh, uh, where the massacre happened has actually remained one of the strongest bedrocks of EFF support. I think it's one mm. of the first places in the country they won awards, for example. Um, one last thing, Chris. Weird to see. Well, not that weird to see the ATM. Uh, the small political party rumored to basically have been started by people who support Jacob Zuma. Um, it's got seats all over the country, not there, not very many. I think it's got like two in parliament or something like that. Um, but they were there and they expressed their uh, support for the EFF. 
They, their, their president said, um, we wish you well for the next 10 years. And most importantly, we say as the ATM, let us work together. There's no future in this country if you don't stand together. But the more interesting other political party leader who was there was Bantu Holomisa from the UDM, um, once hailed as the kind of new it party for the center-left to replace the ANC that didn't really go anywhere. Um, still an important player in some parts of the Eastern Cape. Uh, but generally speaking, a party that I think until a few years ago was thought of as one that could be reliably counted on in anti-ANC coalitions and yet really doesn't seem that way anymore. Um, I think there may be, I'm not sure if they're currently in coalition with the ANC in, in, in Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, but they have at what they have at some point been more amenable to that. Um, what do you make of Bantu Olomisa's presence at the EFF's rally? Whether the EFF gets above, let's say, 13% in the elections next year and indeed in 2029 is a, is a question in and of itself. But that they'll likely continue to play a role in both local and national elections is undeniable, I think, given that it has now survived the 10-year point and continues to still obtain lots of funding from many different sources, all that sort of thing. So here you're playing a longer game um, in terms of making sure whatever the permutations of a coalition government, the EFF could very likely play a role in those. And then if you now pay homage, as it were, to the leadership, you come bearing gifts at their at their celebrations, you ingratiate yourself over the longer term. So there's no doubt, I think, regarding one's principles and all that sort of stuff that you now go with the wind, as it were. But I think there's a, a, self, a case for self-interest here where perhaps the UDM feels this is one way to continue existing in some form is to gravitate towards the EFF um, in different ways. You play that that longer game and put yourself in a better better position going forward um, where you might not, I don't know, feel like you want to sell out and go to the DA or to the ANC, but let's, you know, you want to affiliate with a party that's going to really care about the people and upend South African politics. Well, just, you know, make sure you, Put yourself in proximity, and then you'll be okay financially. All right. Let's move can on I, to our next can one. I just, um, okay, go ahead, uh, go ahead. I think something that, that that is often forgotten about Bantu Holomisa is that he was regarded as being, um, on let's say, on the left of the ANC. Now, I think he's also one of those people, because he was his was one, of the, was one of the early splits, and it was over questions of, well, corruption or whatever you want to call it, um, because of, of declarations that he made at the at, um, uh, at the Truth Commission, and um, there was a great deal of hope vested in um, in the UDM right at the beginning that it was perhaps this the long the long promised split from the ANC, but um, and you know as as military leader of the Trans Sky, he had provided uh, both the ANC and the PAC with safe havens, and I think even some some, some weapons to you know, uh, uh, to carry out their own versions of cross-border raids. Um, so, you know, this isn't, this is, this is somebody who I think emotionally probably sits, pr probably never quite left the ANC's orbit. Um, uh, he left, he left them not, he left them for, 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 for a very specific conjunction of reasons. And I think in a, in a way he probably feels a lot more comfortable dealing with the EFF than he does with the DA. That's a good point. Um, one, I think, I think South African politicians in general suffer from this problem of uh, the, me, the the sort of commentators or the public or the kind of the media in general projecting onto them 
things that aren't really true about who right. they are. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, it often it often then creates this bad analysis problem where the the true politician reveals himself below uh, after some period of time, and then everyone kind of goes, "But but I thought, but I thought." Anyway, okay. Um, let us go on to. I guess we could call it lawlessness. Uh, many many various things to go on here. Uh, so. Transnet says that they are suffering increasingly from the theft of fuel from their major fuel pipelines. There are a couple of big pipelines that run uh, from Pumalanga to Gauteng, I think from the from the coasts basically to the interior, carrying uh, fuel for Transnet, and that they used to have very few incidents of theft from these pipelines, but that uh, this has spiked in recent years, particularly this financial year. Transnet said they've had 465 cases that they've opened of fuel theft since 2019 and convicted, and there've been 21 people convicted of stealing from it. Um, they said that they'd had an average of two incidents per year from 2019, but that this, there was a big spike in the current financial year. They say, however, that they are engaging in stringent security measures to address the continuing malicious and illegal tapping within the pipeline network. Chris, what do you make of this? Yeah, I don't know. An, an argument for innovation. <laughs> when things become really desperate, you try and find whatever methods you can to uh, to make a quick buck here and there. Yeah, very much pointing to the dearth of skills and capacity in both the police, but also in the intelligence services. Um, so when something like July twenty twenty one happened, that, that that sort of that necessarily happens when this sort of basic thing isn't prevented. Um, as an example, now you have seen. Companies like Sabanya Stillwater, other bigger mining companies um, of late trying to partner with Transnet and with government around policing, um, just bringing back visible policing at some of these points of infrastructure, along with on the highways, for example, with trucks being attacked so regularly. So perhaps you'll see a bit of a change there, but not sufficiently enough yet. I think the, the networks and the incentives for this sort of thing are too strong still for the time being. I mean, you see the similar issues and construction for example and as i mentioned in trucking also with coal the, the that's sort of why you don't see a lot more radical change in terms of reform or improving things like policing because you know you've got the necessary political contacts you benefit from uh, the lack of policing the lack of government capacity so why would those things be reformed to a point where this sort of thing is prevented and acted upon so one of the places where transnet fuel lines run under is uh, the south of Joburg, under uh, uh, a shack settlement called Samampilo, which is in the Riverley area. And this is pretty concerning because uh, there is a lot uh, in the Samampilo informal settlement, there are a lot of illegal mining activities. And even worse than that, there are illegal mining activities that are uh, firstly undermining things in the area, making uh, raising some fears that if that pipeline is hit, it may explode, causing hundreds of deaths in that shack settlement. But but at the moment, the various illegal mining gangs appear to be fighting each other openly with uh, with uh, automatic weapons on the surface. At least five bodies have been found and numerous others have been, uh, there, there's footage going around of, of possibly even up to six people who've been killed. Uh, people finding wounded passers-by or sometimes illegal miners literally outside their front doors. Uh, in Rivoli. A few days ago, during a shootout between illegal miners and 
and uh, uh, police in the same area, a man called Ernest Mangenga was hit by a stray bullet. Terence, uh, it really seems like, um, you know, the, the, the chaos of illegal mining gangs is now migrating sort of into the heart of Johannesburg. You know, I was th- uh, I was thinking as, uh, as as we were coming on to talking about this issue, there was a cartoon that Sapiro did probably about 1996-97, which showed um, uh, the sort of knights surrounding a castle firing a catapult. Now, uh, President Mandela and his cabinet were operating the catapult, obviously very haplessly. There were these like ogres in the castle. The castle was labeled crime, and they were going, ah, yeah. Um, and you know, every, every the the rocks that were being fired were just bouncing off. And I think this is that's a that's a sort of that's a, a sort of good symbol of the um, uh, of 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 what has happened in South Africa. Um, the new South Africa, if you like, uh, emerged emerged on the back of a fairly soft state, um, violent crime, and you can you know you can look at you can look at the numbers have been escalating for years. Um, it actually sort of dipped a bit as the um, uh, as, as political violence faded away, but the new the the, the post apartheid government was sort of caught between uh, well uh, caught itself you know between wanting to sort of defang the police because they were paranoid about the counter revolution that never seemed to quite imagine but was always very was always perhaps real in their minds, and um, actually wanting to to to. To deal with with um, uh, 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 with the problems, and sometimes you saw this quite you saw this quite frequently with 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 Presidents Mandela and Mbeki. I think to their discredit, is that they would often just resolve this by saying, "Oh well, these these crime problems are are just you know overblown." And um, but you know then you had you had someone like um, you know Jackie Salebi who basically repurposed the the uh, uh, the police to do well, what he wanted. Then there was the whole Zuma issue. And interestingly enough, apparently the head of crime intelligence was at the was at the EFF's gala dinner. Um, so yeah, you know, you 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 deal you're dealing with a state that is uh, that is not only able to uh, not only and you know sort of unable to get a uh, to get a hold and to provide any sort of credible disincentive. Um, and I think uh, what 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 Chris says about incentives is well taken. Um, it's it's a state that in some ways has, has been deliberately decapacitated. Um, so, you know, we, uh, 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 where do we go? I see there's some comments in the, in the, um, uh, uh, in, on our comment wall here about, um, you know, the, uh, uh, reading the, 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 the report on, on, on organized crime. And that, that's quite true. In fact, I spoke at a conference about this a few, a few months ago. Um, things like Zama Zamas are big organized business, um, and uh, you know they will they will go already send their hapless foot soldiers wherever uh, wherever those profits are to be made, and yes, you know if that's you know maybe it didn't really really mean much for 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 those of us in more comfortable suburbia when this was happening in derelict uh, you know dorps in the um, uh, in the northwest, but yes, it 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 won't stay there. Mutable firepower. And I just want to say you know. It, Something needs to be done about this, not just because people are being killed in the Zamazama gang fighting, but if the Zamazamas by accident hit that fuel pipeline and it blows up, it's going to kill a lot yeah. of people. And the government does know about this, and they they haven't done anything so far. I suspect because they're scared to take on the Zamazamas because you're probably going to need half the freaking 
Gauteng police force there and able to to disarm these groups operating here. And the longer you leave it, the worse it's going to get. So I'd, uh, something Look, something needs to be done about yeah. disarming police force. I, I... I, I remember we um, uh, uh, we spoke to we spoke to an expert in mining security once, and he said that um, you know as as far as the police go, well, the, uh, you know Zamazamas will tell you that a the police are generally too scared, and b if you do see the cops, it's generally because they're providing transport services for the loot. I mean, look, as, as far as the police being being scared, I don't blame them. These Zamazama no, guys are really well armed. Yes, uh, but that doesn't mean the problem's going to go away. Um, and this is, I think, a very specific one. But, uh, okay, let's move very briefly on to our last topic for today. And this is, and I, I just laughed at this headline, uh, NERSA, which is the energy regulator of South Africa. Uh, NERSA's slow progress in critical license approvals worries presidency. Well, I don't, I don't know, did you think you should do something about that? Um, <laughs> the story focuses on how you know, one of the plans for reforming ESCOM is to split it into sort of a generation unit and a transmission unit, right? Which is so, so the carrying of the electricity is done by a different company to the generation of electricity. And there's various reasons why this is important. Uh, but one of the, uh, but the stumbling block towards doing this has not been ESCOM for a change. It's actually been NERSA. Uh, we, a while ago, we had uh, Andrew DeRater pointing out that all the paperwork and in, sort of initial infrastructure had been done by ESCOM and they'd handed over to NERSA who'd been sitting on it for months. Now three licenses are needed for the new transmission unit to begin becoming operational, which is still going to take some time. Uh, and so far NERSA has only approved one of them on Friday. They've approved the transmission license, but there's still uh, the import-export license applications that need to be uh, approved. And uh, they said uh, that we are working on it at the moment, but we uh, we haven't yet reached a decision. This it's just it's incredible how long everything takes. Terence, what do you make of this? Um, my kid had to do a, pro a school project about uh, about Roosevelt's New Deal, and it was just actually quite remarkable how many laws, like major changes he pushed through in the first hundred days. Now, you know, obviously I think rushing ahead with things is not necessarily, is, is not always a great idea, but I think we, there, there has to be a compromise between, uh, you know, uh, legislate, damn the consequences and power ahead and, you know, sit, sit in your hands for like years and years and years while we are perpetually working towards something. You know, I mean, just, you know, actually having a policy. I, I, I love this. In South Africa, we are always working towards policy certainty. In other words, we'll let you know at some point in the interminable future, the indeterminate future, when we actually know what our policy is. So what, what, what do I make of this? Um, you know, enormous head shaking. But what can anyone make with this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Chris, final thoughts. No, it, it was greatly widely celebrated when the cap on self-generation was lifted and look at the real reform that is happening and for not to, you know, be all like, oh, I've been saying this for a while, but you still need a license from NERSA to do your self-generation. So whether it's the biggest players like, you know, now unbundling ESCOM or you uh, generating electricity in your home, the bureaucracy continues and that fundamentally breaks up the monopoly that the government has on electricity generation. Once that goes, then you see the sort of proliferation and real competition possibly. So for the time being, the ideology is not yet shifted there. So hold your horses before you say 
we're in the new dawn 3.0 yeah no exactly uh and sort of the the descriptions by um you know ramakorpa said recently something along the lines of you know it's really difficult to get all this generating capacity online because we've lost so much industrial capacity and it's like and whose fault is that <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> let's um, let's close it there for today. We have if, I, if, yeah, I, if I may just I see we have um, uh, we have Roger Crawford asking, um, is it feasible to believe that the attendees are not all EFF members? Talking about the EFF ready, that is very much a, I think uh, um, a real point. Uh, political rallies can often function as sort of uh, uh, social gatherings. Particularly if it involves, you know, going over um, uh, over a long distance for a for, uh, uh, for a day's outing, and I think very I, I th so. I think that that there, there quite possibly is um, uh, uh, is an element of that. Um, yeah, although, uh, I, yeah, I can say from personal experience, you, you do you. It doesn't matter what party's political rally you go to, you get entertainment and lunch, uh, and it's a day out. You know, and yeah. sometimes it can be fun. Sometimes there's motorbikes and stage performances, and you know. Uh, yeah, well, anyway. you know, the, uh, a political theatre is called theatre for a reason. No, indeed. Indeed. Okay, um, that's all the time we have for today. So I hope you all have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow on The Daily French Show. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>